Welcome to the CFB Paint Podcast. We aren't Photoshop, we're not Illustrator. We're your bare bones essentials college football podcast, giving you the pixelated, crudely edited coverage you need for the preseason, midweek, and off-season doldrums while you wait for the action on Saturdays. You've got Court, Steve, Mark, and Brian, four brothers, college football fans with decades of heartbreak and a few years of ecstasy, here to guide you through your own gridiron roller coaster with all the side drama along the way. All right. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Saturday Morning Podcast. This is the podcast to help you get through the weekday drudgery and get to Saturday, the day that brings exhilaration or devastation to college football fans everywhere. We're the Austin Brothers. I'm Mark. We've got Steven. Hey, hey. Court and Brian. We're four brothers that are all from Tallahassee, Florida, born and raised FSU fans, all BYU alumni and college football fans. And we are just kicking off an introductory podcast to to kick off the season. We're, we're excited for the start of fall camp and we got kickoff 28, four days away. And so we'll talk about three different topics today. Number one being our predictions for how the big 12 will shake out. Number two, our most anticipated non-conference games in September. And lastly, the first coach fired this season. So who, uh, who will we curse with our, our predictions with that? Let's, let's kick it off and jump right into the, to the prediction. So let's start with the, the big 12 and we'll throw it over to, to Steven. Steven, who do you have for the, the big 12 conference. Yeah. Um, I, I chose this one because I just feel like it is just a crapshoot, right? Like it just feels like you could pick a name out of a hat and I, I probably would be like, oh, I could see it, you know, with, with a few exceptions. Um, at the top, I, I guess I have to like go, go with what I know. Um, and I've chosen Oklahoma to win the league. Here's the order of finish that I have. I have got Oklahoma and Texas finishing one, two, which would make for a fun rematch in the big 12 championship game. Uh, after that, I've got Baylor. Ah, Baylor is just, I think they're so well coached. I, I'm really tempted to put them in the top two. The thing that holds me back is that they lost three of their top four rushers from last year. They also lost their top three receiving uh, receivers, uh, leaders in receiving yards, I should say. And I just didn't see anything in their recruiting or in their transfer portal pickups that really said, we're going to be able, able to replace that production. And by the way, most of those guys are on NFL, at least, you know, preseason rosters. So, uh, Tristan Ebner is one of the running backs and fantastic player, just hard to replace that. So love Blake Shapin, love the QB. I just couldn't quite justify getting them in that title game above Oklahoma or Texas. Um, following that, TCU loves Sonny Dykes, loves what he does, love what he does with an offense. Um, Texas Tech after that, I think that they're going to really rally around Joey McGuire. I think that's a really smart hire who's going to really do great things, especially in recruiting. Uh, but they seemed really energized by the end of last season. And I think that there's there's a lot to build off of from, from Texas Tech with that new coaching staff. Iowa State, I, I kind of have them in the middle. I, I'm not sure what to think of them. Uh, West Virginia is the next one I've got. They're, they're another, like, I could see eight and four. I could see four and eight. I really don't know where they're at. Uh, JT Daniels, is he actually going to play football? We know he's got one of the best mustaches in the game. Finally, Oklahoma State. I, I don't see a whole lot that gives me a lot of faith in Spencer Sanders, their quarterback. Um, I think the defense takes a step back. They had a lot of transfers out. They graduated a lot of players. Uh, Jim Knowles is no longer the DC. I see them falling off a cliff, frankly. And then finally, 
you know, the usual suspects of who's going to finish last in the Big 12. I got Kansas. Yeah, you went, you went way deeper than, than I did, ranking all top to bottom. I just kind of was focused on the top end and, and where they're going to finish. Like you, I took OU number one. I think they return a lot of their production. Obviously not the, the quarterback, but you bring in uh, a quarterback from UCF, um, Gabriel. You bring in his OC. And just broadly, they, they you know, keep the most talent in the, in the conference. I also – I went with Baylor, too, for what you, you predicted. They don't have the uh, – the greatest schedule to get both Oklahoma and Texas on the road. Um, whereas Oklahoma gets a, a softer schedule. They get Oklahoma state, Baylor and Kansas state all at home. Uh, but Baylor turns a lot of production. Uh, it doesn't bring back a lot of production, but brings back their lines, brings back their quarterback. Um, and then I finish with, with Texas, uh, you know, finishing following on last year's quick start, um, bringing in a, you know, who's expected to be a, a top end quarterback. Um, so that's kind of my one, two, three finish. I'll, uh, I'll jump in with mine. I think um, Steven's going to maybe laugh at, at my picks because somebody he sees falling off a cliff, I see uh, winning the Big 12 next year. So Oklahoma State has a lot to replace on defensive end, really good defensively last year. Um, I think what will make that transition a lot easier with the people they're replacing is their return just in their defensive ends, 21 and a half sacks. Um, you have Colin Oliver had 11 and a half sacks as a true freshman. I'm not projecting a, a sophomore slump, especially when he's got such a, a potent partner on the other on the, on the other side. Spencer Sanders, I agree there is question marks there, but he was first team all Big 12 last year in a, a conference that did have quarterbacks um, that could play. I go more so with the consistency. That's what's got me um, swinging a little bit more towards Oklahoma State, that they have a little bit more returning, a little bit more sure thing. That's also what has me uh, with Baylor at number two. Um, Dave Aranda, I think is doing an awesome job there. Jeff Grimes will do be in just his second season as the OC, but was already making progress last year in their, um, in their March forward, a lot to replace on offense defense looks like it still should be, um, a force to be reckoned with as far as big 12 defenses go. Um, number three, I have Oklahoma. Um, and really this is the lowest I could possibly see Oklahoma being, I don't think there's any chance they go any lower than that. There's definitely a chance that they win it all. I think, you know, Probably if you're stacking up talent, they are the most talented team. Um, but there's a lot of turnover, a lot of change that happened over this offseason. Um, and I think that may be too much to overcome in the early going. I think Baylor and Oklahoma State will be quick, quick out of the gates. I think Oklahoma might be a little bit slower. I've got Texas at four. Um, Texas is really hard to project given how poorly they did last season and the amount of talent that the team has in bringing in the new QB. Um, I think really hard for me to say if they're going to do amazing or if they're going to make marginal uh you know progress um not always been a big steve sarkeesian guy but i think this offense should be extremely potent next year um and if quinn yours is everything that we've thought he can be um they could be a lot higher than that number four spot um got kansas state after that deuce vaughn is just the one-man wrecking machine there um all-purpose back does it all i expect him to be an all-american again he was last year um and we'll see if Adrian Martinez can be any better uh, with Kansas State than he was with Nebraska. I'm not overly hopeful, but it should be still an upgrade in the quarterback position. Um, from there, I won't break down individually, but I'll just list off in order what I have. Um, I've got TCU, then Iowa State, um, Texas Tech, and then I gave Kansas the slight nod over West Virginia. Um, that may be more wishful thinking for a, a program that's had a lot of bad things go down, um, but... West Virginia are going to be the bottom dwellers in the Big 12 uh, as far as I have it this year. 
I guess that's my my turn now. Huh? Um, <laughs> I I think it's essentially is a four team race here. Like it's between Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Baylor. Now at the Big Twelve Media Days, the media picked Baylor to win the conference, which is the first time they picked Baylor to or a non Oklahoma team to win the conference in seven years. Um, and I, I I gotta say like betting against Dave Aranda. I'm not doing it. That's for sure. Um, but if you look at like DraftKings, where their bet their betting lines, their win totals is seven and a half. Like that seems really low for a person that's going to win the Big Twelve. Um, so I, I, I'm interested in see that. I'll give you my my thought process on that a little bit later. Oklahoma, like Mark said, like they're bringing in the UCF quarterback Dylan Gabriel. They're bringing in the UCF uh, and OU alum OC, um, and then you've got. You've got um, Oklahoma's DC. Oh, man, I just blanked on his name. Ted. Uh, Ted. I can't remember his last name. But he, he's a former assistant under in Clemson, you know, working with Venerables. And so I figure Venerables is going to have a pretty big hand on this defense. And us being Florida State fans, we've watched the, those Clemson defenses. And if they're anything, they're always – they're, they always have their assignments down, and that's something that I feel like Oklahoma's really struggled with. They get burned in the past with the last last few years in the passing game because they haven't had their assignments down, blown assignment or something would happen there. So I mean, I think that you'll see a step up in their defense there. Um, with Oklahoma State, I mean, let's let's be real. Mike Gundy is always doing what he's doing and supposed to be doing. Like, for some reason, they just always are right there at the edge in the cusp but can't quite get there um, to where they want to be. And then you have Texas, which has the talent and has the big names. And if they get through this year, looks to be an incredible team next year as they continue to load up on their on their recruiting classes. Um, for me personally, I actually have Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. I think Sarkeesian is, is good, and I, I think he can put Texas there. But I think that I have yet to see it come, come from a Sarkeesian team that they actually fulfill their – um, expectations and so I'm not willing to bet on that I, Mike Gundy has always done it and I think Oklahoma honestly with their with Venerables there I think they're going to short that defense and all of a sudden it's going to be like all right now we have that you know that Oklahoma State Oklahoma rivalry going on pretty big and so I'm excited to see how that one goes um I go through the middle I've got Kansas State Iowa State and TCU kind of interchangeably and then I have West Virginia and Texas Tech, and then or then Kansas at the bottom. Um, I don't know how you can bet for Kansas. No, no offense, but <laughs> like, I, if I was a Kansas fan, like I'd be looking for basketball season already. And and that's terrible to say, but like I'd be looking for basketball season until I'm playing Texas, and then I'd be like excited for Texas game, and then I'll go back to basketball <laughs> season. <laughs> so that's why I thought. I mean, I'm excited to see what this provides this year because like. You really do have some interesting springboards potentially for Oklahoma and Texas. So what do they have? One more year before they move into the to the SEC. Mm -hmm. But like the recruiting classes are in the top four right now for next year, and so they are, are recruiting like SEC teams. And and that talent, if they can really win these games here, that that talent will stay with them, and they can springboard into going into the next years. Um, but I feel like it's going to be critical to see what they do. My money's against Sark Sarkeesian, which I feel bad about saying because I got some Texas friends that are <laughs> big fans about that. But I don't—I just don't see him making the Big Twelve championship. So. 
I'm shocked that Steven thinks Oklahoma State's going to suck. I mean, I'm with you, right? So I didn't put Oklahoma State in my top three, but it's like really a four-horse race to me, right? If I would have gone four, it's clearly Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy hasn't lost or won less than seven games since 2005. Like, to call them second to the bottom, you know, we're going to owe you dinner if they suck that much. <laughs> yeah, Mark, how old were you when that happened? When 2005? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just don't see it. I, I like they won with defense last year. I, and I think the defense gets worse. Uh, again, it lost, I think all four starting defensive backs, not to mention uh, this Malcolm Rodriguez. I'm going to get that name wrong. Their middle linebacker, number 20, who was just all over the field. Um, awesome senior leadership on that team last year. Not yeah, something like 130 tackles, not to mention a, a rock star defensive coordinator. I mean, you don't Ohio State needed their defense fixed and they went and spent the money on Jim Knowles. Uh, so I, I just don't see the defense getting better. I think it gets worse. And I just don't see a whole lot of offensive improvement. Um, don't get me wrong. Like life and college football is way more fun when Mike Gundy's voice actually matters. So uh, please, by all means, Oklahoma State, feel free to have a nine and three season. I just don't see it. Would love would love to have Mike Gundy substantiate uh, his what is Oklahoma and Texas doing here uh, from the Big Twelve media days for sure. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I think See he came back and said that Steve? was. Oh, go ahead, Mark. What's up? I said I think he came back and said that was a joke, and uh, you know, sh- shame on him for his cowardice. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't a joke. They shouldn't have been there. If I was in the middle, I'd be like, no, we're not having any meetings with you guys. Get out. You've already shown you want to leave. Get out. But to your point, Steve, about Oklahoma State, if you look at their win-loss projection totals on DraftKings, they are eight and a half. And that's baking in non-conference games of Central Michigan, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and Arizona State, which, I mean, you got to go think that's probably three wins there. Maybe Arizona State's a possibility if they lose. But then you're only looking at five and a half in – in the what the nine games that they play in the Big Twelve now, that, but I, I think they over. I think they'll overachieve. I don't know. It's just Mike Gundy. He, no man should have a mullet like that and, and still be successful. You know, Corey, you, you mentioned you mentioned Arizona State. Should we skip number two and just talk to the first coach going to get fired, or uh, should we just come to that at the end? No, we well, can come to I'm it. Not going there. On my not list my too. Well, I'll, I'll start because that is my guy. Uh, you know, he's had enough problems, you know, just just uh, scandals there, underperformance hasn't hasn't been that good. I will say the only thing keeping keeping it from being Scott Frost is I think the obvious choice is that Scott Frost buyout gets much cheaper um, once you get past October 1st. And so Herm's got a Herm's got a month to get fired before they, they uh, go get Scott Frost. That's mostly my logic. Um uh, from there, the other candidates, you know, you have some other other strong candidates, but I think I think it's really a, a two horse race unless something dramatic, um, you know, dramatic happens. Yeah, uh, Mark, we, we share similar lines of thinking. I've got Herm Edwards at number one. Um, just it, it calls to mind. There's a part of the Pony Express 30 for 30 where it, uh, one of the. Uh, I think they call them the nasty nine. One of the boosters says like, look, hey, we were cheating, but tons of people were paying guys hundreds of thousands of dollars and we're only winning three games. So, um, the, like, I mean, it's one thing to cheat. It's another thing to cheat and still lose. Um, so 
that that's one of those things that I, I always just thought, man, for all the cheating that happened at Arizona State, like, man, they didn't get a whole lot of uh, juice out of it. Um, but uh, Scott Frost, again, if we put the buyout aside, like, if they lose to Northwestern, you could have the same Lane Kiffin thing that happened, you know, when he was fired at USC on the tarmac, you'd have that happen in Ireland. Like how awkward would that be if you fired and you're in a foreign country? So find your own way home. Ryanair, I think flies eventually to, to New York. Good luck. He'd, he'd probably want to go hit the pubs for a while anyway. So yeah, plenty, plenty to drown your sorrows. If, if it doesn't go your way. Um, but that's my second one. The last one that I'll throw out there is Dino Babers. I do think Syracuse will be a better team this year than they were last year. Um, it's just, I mean, they, they, they play a fairly tough, I mean, in a, a fairly tough division, the Atlantic division has a ton of quarterback talent. Lots of, um, lots of teams I think will contend uh, and, and do well in that division that aren't Syracuse. So I, I think he's just in a tough spot. So those are those are the three that I had on my list. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll follow up and, and throw in a name here that hasn't been mentioned yet. So so full disclosure, Herm Edwards number one. Um, Scott Frost is my number three. My number two, and this is more of a, a zesty pick, um, was Brian Harson at Auburn. Um, I think from the get go, there's been questions about bringing in a guy from Boise State with no ICC ties, um, not to a school like Vanderbilt who can afford to lose, a school like Auburn that is not used to losing. Um, for for so context, might, might should be, but keep going. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Um, but uh, Auburn has three losing seasons in the last 20 years. After the first two of those, the head coach got fired. Um, after this last year, Brian Harson keeps his job because it was only his first year. Um, Keep in mind, Gus Malzahn went six and five in the year before. wasn't pretty, but didn't have a losing season uh, with with the Tigers. Um, they currently have the seventy second ranked recruiting class. So if they're banking on doing well this year to make that recruiting class, that's a gutsy call. Um, right now, they've got five commits. They're quality commits, um, but if I were them, I'd be trying to get every commit through the door now before the season starts, and then try and you know tell them on, oh, we were injured or whatever the case may be throughout the season. Um, first nine games of the season, they have two cupcakes to start. Um, and then it, there's some, some losable games after that. It's not, it's not the worst schedule in the world, but they have Mercer, San Jose state, Penn state, Missouri, LSU, Georgia, Ole Miss, Arkansas. Um, so depending on how you view Missouri, they have six or seven losable games in those first nine. I think if you lose five of those, he's gone. Um, keep in mind, Texas A&M and Alabama are still on the schedule remaining after that. So it doesn't get easier. Um, I think that's one where he's going to be on a pretty short leash just because the recruits aren't coming in. Um, his previous two classes have been in the twenties. He did worse his second year in terms of recruiting than he did in his first year, which is not a good sign for most, most head coaches. Uh, I think he'll have to do show some real, real evidence on the field. If he wants to make it out of season two. Uh, process i have a, a number of names i went out and looked at and i th considered i'm going to give you guys the ones i'm who i am considering for my top pick this is going to give you my thought process around them and then my who i'm going to pick so scott frost we all know his, him coming from ucf and his struggles at nebraska um one of the things that kind of that i look at is like okay how have you done how much time have you had and then what's your schedule like this year because that's going to play a big role in whether you get fired early or get fired late in my opinion um Scott Frost, though, I mean, okay, 
let's look at 2021. They were three and nine, and they were 0 and eight in one score games. In his entire in his, in his tenure here at Nebraska, he's five and twenty in one score games. To me, that pendulum like tells you that they're kind of on the cusp, and they it just got to. I I believe it's got to swing the right way for him. I think Nebraska is going to be a little bit better than people give him credit for, and I think he's going to put it together. Um, I, I that's uh, just my thought process on there. They do have Northwestern, which if you lose that one, that doesn't look good because Northwestern is not a good team. Um, when you look at the statistics and wise. Um, but then you have two cupcakes, two cupcakes that you get ready for, for Oklahoma. So you have a little bit of time to like make yourself look okay. And then you face Oklahoma. Yeah. Good luck. Um, but that, that'll put you at two and two, get you to get you to October. And that's the other thing that's interesting about the Scott Frost, uh, just even the Scott Frost scenario, he got his contract restructured so that the buyout goes significantly down October 1st. So you're looking potentially like, hey, that's a red, red, like if they lose to Northwestern and then they win the next two games and they lose Oklahoma, you have a good chance that there's potentially be fired. If you beat Northwestern and you're three and one, maybe he, he lasts a little longer. And honestly, I think they, he lasts a little bit longer. Um, name that you guys have put on here was Jeff Collins from Georgia Tech. I, I'm interested in that one just because the experiment has been going on a little while. He's not terrible, but he's like, I mean, I guess terrible is not, is relative. He's nine and 25 at Georgia Tech. And he starts out with a gauntlet of a game against Clemson. And then they play, you know, I don't even know what that is. West Carolina university. And then, they, but then you go into Ole Miss, UCF, Pitt, Duke. He's likely to start one and six for the year. Uh, and and that's a, like whew, we'll see how that one goes. Um, like Brian um, said, Brian Harrison from uh, from Auburn. The the interesting thing I hear I've heard about him is that the culture and the players that were already on the team didn't really like him. They weren't his players. They weren't bought into the system. I do hear that there's a lot of buy into the system now, and that people are willing to be there. But like you said, if they don't put results on the board. Their recruiting classes last in the SEC according to the 247 rankings. And Auburn's not going to put up to be not Alabama's little brother, but Alabama's whipping post. You know, they, they're not going to put up with being that. And they're going to want to change Vanderbilt's I'm looking for that matter. Say again? I said, or Vanderbilt's for that matter. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they do, they start off with two winnable games, Mercer, like San Jose State. And then you got a, a good game against Penn State that's going to be broadcast in front of a lot of people. And if they, show well in that there's a chance that he could win there or that he could do okay and then you have Missouri and LSU I think we're all kind of I, at least I'm out on seeing like how's LSU under uh underneath the new coaching change is it Brian Kelly that's a new coach there um but yeah and then who you got that's an huh? are, are those your three no I've, I've got two more that I considered I considered Edwards and kind of all your points that you guys have talked about um and, and with the fact that he also is 68 years old and he's about ready to be done, you know? But then I also got, like, Dino Babers, um, who has hired the – he's hired Robert and I. We're all familiar with Robert and I being BYU fans and FSU fans. We've seen what he did at BYU. But his offense is is weird to me because I can't describe it as any of it. just, like, it feels awkward, the offense does, that he runs, Robert and I, in my opinion. But I feel like it's going to fit the skill set that Secure Accuse has. They have a good running back and a running-ish quarterback. And 
Robert Anai's offense leans on the run to set up the pass. And so I think they've got a chance to start doing okay. And you have some games that are winnable at the beginning. I mean, Louisville's a better team than you, but you have UConn, you have Purdue, which is a possibility. But Virginia, Wagner, so you're not going to get to looking bad until mid-October when, you, when your schedule starts to ramp up. Um, so I honestly, I have Jeff Collins as, as my first pick with Brian Harrison as my second. Um, I don't think Scott Frost is going to get fired. I think Dino Babers gets fired this year. Um, and I think Kerm makes it through the year, to be honest. Um, but, like, my reasoning is, is because they just have a gauntlet of a, of a, a schedule, and you're going to be one in six before the season even gets going. And what do you have to show for that? Nothing. I don't know. I, I think that's fair. Got it. So we'll we'll jump with that to the to the last comp or with, to the last topic, which is the most attractive September non-conference game. Um, I've got a, a few thoughts here, mostly you know just people I'd like to see lose. Uh, but we'll, let's start with Brian. Who do you, who do you have? Um, I'll leave the homer pick for somebody else uh, and see if that one gets picked up. Uh, I'm gonna go Oregon Georgia. Um, you have Dan Lanning going up against Kirby Smart. Uh, something I think is really fun. An Oregon team that isn't devoid of talent. Um, that probably should have been able to win the Pac-12 last year. Um, but I think they've improved their coaching um, with the new hires and what has happened there. Of course, it'll be a transition year. Um, and truth be told, I don't expect this to be a competitive game. I think Georgia's probably going to smash Oregon. Um, but I do think this will be an interesting opportunity as I think Oregon will be one of the better teams in the Pac-12. I think early in the season, the Pac-12 needs opportunities to substantiate itself to the selection committee because they play those late night games. They don't always get the attention um, that they, you know, maybe feel they deserve um, for, for the playoff at the end of the season. And if they can play them close um, in any sort of arena, I think that makes a big difference for not only their potential uh, down the line of the season, but the, the PAC 12 as a whole um, right now, uh, Oregon are 17, or I'm sorry, um, Georgia are 17 and a half point favorites. So not projected to be a close game. If it is a close game, I think that, that tells you a lot more about the Pac-12 um, and what's the the possibilities are for the playoff for Oregon and also Utah, um, who I think would be the other big player there this year, um, as they were last year. Corey, who you got? Oh, there's so many to consider. I think I'm torn between two of them, to be honest. Um, I, I've got Alabama and Texas. That just sounds like so much fun, a prelude to the SEC fight championship or SEC uh, fighting that's going to come later on in. Um, and also another assistant coach that's now going up against Saban. Who, what can he do? I mean, I think Jimbo's the only one that's actually beat him head-to-head um, last year. Um, and then I'm also torn between the Miami-Texas A&M fan or Texas A&M game because you do have Jimbo Fisher, who when he was at Florida State dominated Miami, pulled pluck kids out of Miami, no problem, and they had an, a – astronomical amazing recruiting class last year and then you have crystal ball who's starting to get everybody excited about him although in my opinion he hasn't proven himself as a coach quite yet he hasn't gone into a conference game or championship game yet oh he, i guess he did go to conference championship game against utah and got beat but i mean he hasn't gotten up to the playoffs significantly so i'm interested to see what can they do against AM. I think a and going to be a good team this year um and how does that make the the potential winner from the ACC Coastal look? Um, I don't know. Those two games are interesting to me. The 
the one thing I do find interesting about that Texas A or Texas uh, Alabama game, noon. Come on, because put it at night. Yeah, the yeah. crowd doesn't have a whole lot of time to get greased up for that one. So uh, it's, that's yeah, uh, an interesting broadcasting decision, if you ask me. Yeah, I'm just starting to think. What else is on Fox? I mean, ESPN is going to be broadcasting Baylor BYU, and then ABC is going to have USC Stanford at night. But I mean, I'm pretty sure Alabama Texas can hold up against USC Stanford. You, well, you would own the airwaves, I would think. I would think so too. So we'll see. Well, Court, you, you mentioned that uh, Miami Texas A&M game um, in in the. Uh, light of the comment of, you know, hoping teams stink. That was one of the teams, you know, you watch that and you're like, oh, I hope Miami and Jimbo Fisher both suck. And, you know, I hope that game's a 3-0 tie because they're, you know, both of the teams are terrible. Utah, Florida, it's basically, you know, going to be a, a month long of, you know, teams that I hate playing each other and, hope, you know, hope they all lose. Um, so, so those ones were, were the ones that jumped off the paper to me. Uh, and then obviously I'll, I'll, I'll take the Homer game cause I'm excited to watch Notre Dame go play Ohio state. Uh, I think they're, you know, obviously two really good teams expected to be two of the better teams in the country. Um, you get the, the interplay with, uh, coach Freeman, go, you know, playing his alma mater, CJ Stroud. We're going to watch, you know, a, a Heisman potential, you know, player early in the season in a pretty good game. So, I'm actually, you know, I'm pretty excited to, to watch that outside of those those other two games I mentioned. Speaking that's your, that, Mark, that's your Homer game, Mark? Yeah. But I think what Brian meant was that no one had picked the Florida State game yet because we're obviously oh, well, fans and there's a big game against LSU. Well, yeah, a, a game I expect us to not perform very well in, frankly. I don't know. I'm probably the most down on FSU out of the four of us. Uh you know, I just, I'm, I've been burned too much, and then now I'm just cynical and depressed. I, and I, I say let's go to that. Let's go to our thoughts on that Florida State LSU game in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, we'll but I wanted to say about what you, what you were saying about that uh, Notre Dame Ohio State game, Mark, and the Alabama Texas game. Those are the top four teams with like, and then you throw in Oklahoma. They have they have the best recruiting classes coming this next year, and we get to see those teams go head to head in the showcase. This, to highlight for the for their recruits, it'll be those two games will be exciting and interesting to see. I I think I kind of round out the group here as far as uh, most anticipated out of conference uh, game in September. Man, if nothing else, just looking at this just had me frothing at the mouth for the season to start. I am dying. Um, if you'll remember the the movie The Count of Monte Cristo, like when these trapped in prison and he's like there's so many rocks in my in my cell I've counted them this many times and then the other prisoners like but have you named them yet I, I feel like that's kind of where I'm at with the college football offseason at this point it's like I'm re-watching games where my, the rival teams that I hate I know they lose I'm watching those games because I'm that desperate for the season to start um now, as far as my most anticipated, like I, I left a, I left the low hanging fruit. We, we covered a lot of the ones that I obviously am very excited to watch. Um, 
I think there's some really fun storylines in a lot of those games. And I think there's some good matchups. I, I had like four that I just kind of threw out there that I thought might be fun ones. Uh, Utah at Florida, we talked about it briefly, but I think that one's just, it's an interesting game, right? It's a, a team from Salt Lake City and a team from Gainesville, Florida that to my knowledge have never played. I, I don't know if that's entirely true. I should check that Winsipedia on that, but I am not familiar with a single matchup they have. I believe this is their first. Um, and, and you just got to be over Myers too. Weird, yeah, yeah, battle of the year. I love it. Um, but this weird duality of like you've got a new coach in Billy Napier in Florida, they're just starting a new, and then you have the old guard, the and almost the oldest of the old guard in, in Kyle Whittingham, who's been at Utah forever, has as much continuity as you could ever want. Um, and perhaps one of his better football teams. Um, they've had a, a few really, really good ones, but this one, I mean, no one was playing better football toward the end of the season that wasn't named Ohio State, Alabama, or Georgia. Um, CBS has them ranked in their preseason poll that was released a little bit. I think it's like fourth. Yeah. 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 And, and we're, we're going to really quickly find out if they're worth their salt because I think Florida is, is not devoid of talent. Uh, a lot, a lot of preseason buzz around Anthony Richardson. Um Watching him last and year, it, you saw glimpses of it, but I, I I need to see it more consistently before I'm willing to put that guy as a first round pick, which I've seen some people put. Um, but that's why where, where it's really fun is because he'll get tested. Utah's defense is tremendous. That's what Whittingham's known for, and so really looking forward to that game. So I, I'd say that's probably my most anticipated. Just some other food for thought here. Um, at Louisville at UCF. I thought just the way that game ended last year, if you guys re- recall. Uh, Uh, Dylan Gabriel is driving to potentially win the game, throws an interception, uh, and Louisville wins not quite at the buzzer, but just in the last couple of minutes. Really fascinating game, Uh, and that was the the game in uh, Cardinal Stadium, I guess is what they're calling it now. They don't call it Papa John's, Um, but now it's at the bounce house. Now now UCF is at home, and uh, you know, they've got a lot of momentum uh, on the recruiting trail. They also have one of uh, Gus Malzahn's quarterbacks that he recruited um, in, in an attempt to, to have him run, be, be a QB. Uh, he ended up going to Ole Miss and, and played QB for a bit, but then played wide receiver. Um, but I, I'm excited to see what Gus Malzahn can do with a really, really talented athlete at QB. Um, so there, there's some, some excitement there for me. Uh, a couple of others that just are, maybe aren't necessarily the, the ones that are going to grab all the headlines, but um, Tennessee at Pitt, that game was back and forth last year. Uh, it should be a fun one again. This one is a, at Pittsburgh. So in the, whatever the new name is for Heinz Field, it will always be Heinz Field as far as I'm concerned where the Steelers play. Um, you get to figure out what kind of a team Pitt is uh, again. Uh, maybe they beat Tennessee again, and maybe the next week they lose to Western Michigan again. Who knows? Um, the other one that I threw on there is, is the backyard brawl in, in week one, West Virginia at Pitt. I, I don't know why Pitt's on all these for me, but like that one's just, that one's a throwback to the old Big East. And so I, I'm, I'm excited to see those two uh, renew that rivalry. I think that the thing that could sway, you know, the most interesting to me is, you know, if you do a, a Manning cast, but with Urban Meyer sitting on his couch, you know, drinking and calling the uh, Utah Florida game, you know, that, that, that would be good television. There. 
we could resurrect the career. Quick fact check on that one. They've played once in 1977, and the Gators won 38-29. So, so Utah looking to even the series this year. Thank you, Brian. And it is in Florida. That's the also the interesting thing. Utah has to travel. I feel like West Coast teams, when they travel, East Coast are at a huge disadvantage. If you put a win in, in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, though, on that, that's a statement. And it makes the – like Brian said, it makes the Pac-12 look, okay, like – We've got some good teams here, and they're here to play. But we'll, we'll I'm see. Surprised. How... Oh, good, Brian. I would say we'll see, we'll see how Florida's season turns out from there. I don't think I think they're a good team. I think Billy Napier is an excellent coach. They have a tough schedule this year. Um, one that you know, a few injuries could very easily go downhill by no fault of of anybody in particular. Um, so it, it could end up being an impressive win. It, it also might just end up being a, a, an ordinary win for Utah if they get it. I'm surprised nobody mentioned the Penn State Auburn game because that I think it's going to be interesting because you have the Big 12, 10 in the SEC that are the predominant now conferences and, and, and now they have a chance to say, hey, I'm a little bit better than you or I'm a lot bit better than you. This one is in is down in Auburn, so yeah, a big a big one Auburn's I was betting on for my for my coach pick for for Penn State to to get a win there. There you go. <laughs> It'll be, an, it'll be an exciting season. We, you know, we can't wait for it to start. Uh, appreciate everybody joining us today. And, and with that, we'll sign off and chat next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the CFB Paint Podcast. We're dropping new episodes every week. Be sure to rate us five stars on any and every service where you listen to the pod. And if you feel so inclined, let your friends know about us. As always, thanks, Mom, for giving birth to us. And to all the rest of our listeners, we'll see you next week.